0: Hello everybody out there in radio slash podcast land. Uh, Matt here going with uh, episode number nine of the Rub Wrestling Podcast. Uh, Getting ready to kick it off. We got a great set of topics tonight. I think it's probably going to be one of our best shows if I uh, can say so myself, but For everybody out there, you know, uh, for some of the people that have found us, you know how to find us uh, regularly online. I'm a little bit scattered with my words right now, but we'll pick it up. We're just getting started. So you can find us on many different outlets. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple. You can find us on Google Play. You can find us on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button and follow. um, And, uh, you know, just uh, come and enjoy a a solid 45 minutes to an hour of good wrestling banter and, and rumor mill stuff that's happened throughout the week. So, um, but without this podcast, we have two other people that are on it to our illustrious panel. Chris, how's everything going with you? And, uh, basically a uh, pretty busy week in wrestling this week, isn't it?
1: Yeah, pretty busy week. Uh, I, I missed all three of my baseball games on a uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, I ate a questionably, questionably expired, uh, pizza sub, but I thought it was all processed so it wouldn't really be a problem. Turned out it was a huge problem. Um, my toilet smelled <laughs> like death for two days. Uh, so that was. Uh, other than that, just just work work. I guess um, we watched a new show called The Bear, which Ooh, we Ooh, that's the
0: uh, the one with the uh, the culinary skills in the kitchen, right? The restaurant.
1: Sure. Yeah. It's so solid. so that's been that's been okay. We kind of we've binged that a little bit. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, that's about it. Pretty I have a boring week for me you, to be. When honest. you told me
0: that you missed three days of baseball, I was actually going to say, "Did he fall asleep or did he pass out?" I la <laughs> <love> Billy Madison. <laughs> but you know, oh, the,
1: and uh, yeah, oh, there's more. Oh yeah, we're uh, going. Me and Mrs. Sharp are going to go see Barbie tomorrow. So uh, on the next uh, next podcast on episode ten, I guess I will tell you what I think of it.
0: For Barbie fans out there, congratulations. But uh, for me, I'm just going to wish you my condolences. So uh, kudos to that. Josh, in other words, we talked about busy week of wrestling. Chris didn't talk at all about anything during the week of wrestling. But uh, big question for you. Are you ordering Death by Dishonor tonight for Ring I'm of going Honor? To.
2: I, think th- I think i I think I have a uh, desire to watch some wrestling. And I just don't think it's good enough to watch SmackDown tonight. And that uh, card that uh, Ring of Honor is putting on looks pretty good um so i think i'm gonna buy it the was it 30 dollars i think that's well worth the money um it's uh it's almost all AEW guys anyways so i think it's gonna be great
0: yeah that's, that's it so it looks like a great card unreal card with Pac and uh claudio Castagnoli headlining for the uh, roh world heavyweight championship uh, my week was all right guys i mean i had a busy week of work and i ended up watching this tiktok of this guy who i can't remember his name but he's a baseball heckler and he basically like heckles everybody in the outfield. I think he cheers for San Francisco, but basically he goes around and he goes, he goes, I can't remember, he go, hey Ron you don't even know the proper use of they, they're there and there, you bum. <laughs> and he just goes on and on. And basically this guy's got like 150 videos, I think, that just kind of goes all over these TikToks. But you know, that's that's a story for another day. But I highly recommend very entertaining. <laughs> Um, But with that, we're going to talk about something that was extremely entertaining, but it wasn't on Raw, it wasn't on SmackDown, and it wasn't on Dynamite or Collision. Actually, kicked off on NXT, which was the main event between Dominic Mysterio and Wes Lee for the North American Championship uh, and that title. Um, And uh, Dom actually pulled it out, which is kind of uh, crazy. So, you know, Dom... I don't think I don't really know what people are thinking when they go through it but Wesley has actually had the championship since uh, probably I think it was like I want to say it was six months I think he had it from October actually maybe longer than that I think he had it October 2022 is when he when he actually won the title but um you're gonna look it's is Chris do you find that the title win for Dom? Um, actually happened on NXT and not on Raw SmackDown? Or do you just find it ex- unexpected for him to win a title right now? Or does the heat that he's been accumulating and everything that's been kind of rolling from WrestleMania really been leading up to this North American title win?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the heat he's generating, I, I think he's worked hard. Uh, I think he deserves a title. Um, I think NXT, I think the North American title is the best choice for him at this point. Like, you have to reward him, but... Um, He's not there yet to put him up in, in some some of those big programs on the main show. So it, it was a surprise to me, but uh, I'm actually, I'm happy to see it. You know, uh, we kind of, we have a soft spot for Dom here. Like, so yeah, I think he's, I think he's worked hard for it. I, I think he deserved a championship and uh, I think they're rewarding for his hard work. Um, after the Cody match, what do you really, what do you really do with Dom? So having him in NXT for a little bit. Um, I think keeps him relevant at least wrestling because you can't have him not wrestle. He seems, he still seems a little green, so and maybe they give him the title because he has the heat and then while he's down there, he can work with Shawn Michaels, he can work with other producers and, and up his game in the ring is what I hope happens.
0: Yeah, I would have to agree. I think when you kind of look at his performance over uh, the time through for a while, it, you know, he's he's just kind of really rolled with the punches and he's actually one of the top Probably ten people on on the show for heat. Um, actually probably not even the top ten, I'd probably say top three or five for what he gets for heat. Sometimes he's not even really allowed to speak when he's going through it. So um, I think it's a big win for him. I really absolutely love the fact, and uh, I'm going to kind of steal Josh's thunder a little bit, but how they kept the heel aspect for him and how it was like tainted with all the people interfering. And I think it makes him more of a heel and it's really going to kind of improve. It'll be interesting to see his run as a champion as we go through. Now, Josh, for you in regards to Dom's title win, one of the big things that happens with um, NXT title wins is that... Generally, the last person that was on the main roster, and I can't remember who it was, but uh, this was mentioned uh, a, like during a, during a show last week, but I can't remember who it was, um, basically had to drop the title when they went back to Raw or SmackDown. So my question is, does Dom keep the title when he shows up, either, you know, tonight or on Monday? Um, and do you think he's going to actually be able to do all three shows? Because right now, if uh, the Judgment Day is kind of going in, in all directions, will he do two shows, three shows? What are your thoughts on the situation and what's going to happen with booking Dom over the next, uh, I don't know, let's say month?
2: Yeah, I think that Dom will continue to be on the all three shows, maybe uh, not as much I think as the Smackdown's not his home, is that right? Um, but I think he'll still be have a huge presence on Raw because he does get a lot of heat and because um, you know, he's he's Rhea Ripley's Poppy or whatever, she's his mummy and, you know, that's part of their storyline so it's important that they stay together. Um, I do like the championship win. Uh, just a note, I did do some research and Wesley was the longest reigning uh, North American Championship or champion at 269 days. He actually won it um, back in October um, of last year, so he's the longest reigning of that. Um, but yeah, I think that it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Dominic definitely gets a lot of heat. His in-ring ability is just really lacking for me, and because he doesn't really get to talk, it's not like I'm impressed by his mic skills. Uh, I think that um, a lot of the heat he's getting is just because he, you know, he portrays that spoiled brat. And it's great, it's great for him, but it's really not letting him develop his on mic abilities. So that the fans are kind of taking away from that. And the heat's great, but how long can it last? And I'm not sure. Uh, definitely agree with you about uh, enjoying that the the, f- the fact that they kept the heel aspect with Don for the win. Um, and you know, even the commentary on some of the from some of the news articles that I've been reading about it, they they definitely note that he's lacking in the ring. Um, and uh, I don't I don't know. If he's ever going to be able to improve that again, I think he really needs to change his move set. Maybe he needs to move into more of a like a strong style because I really don't think the high flying is his is his strong point. And I think that like if he gets into the hard hitting type of matches, then he might actually be able to develop a style that's better for him.
0: Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people looked at Eddie Guerrero and said the same thing. Like, he's not really built for it. And then they actually saw him in the ring, and he can move and do all those things. And um, Dom does not have the same body as Ray. Like, he doesn't. He's he's taller. He's, he's going to be heavier. But I also think that Dom really hasn't fully um, kind of filled into his adult body, even for the age that he's at. It's really odd. Like, it, it's kind of something when it kind of looks like somebody who's, like, kind of slightly... Um, underdeveloped. And I think that's part of it was trying to get him involved in, in some of these other um, I don't know. It it kind of could have been early. So, I mean, a lot of people that have developed, you look at um, what's his name, Nick Wayne, that was in uh, AEW. W he's been wrestling since he's five years old. I, I don't know if Dom's been doing that. Dom played a lot of football, played a lot of different sports, played a lot of things that were coming through. So, when that happens, if his focus wasn't completely on wrestling, he's really going to have to develop. But I have to agree with you, Josh. I think he he might need a different moveset moving forward, and I think he's probably going to... He's not going to be his dad, he's not going to be Ray, and he's going to have to find his own way sooner or later, right, before he figures it out. But I'd say right now, for what's going on, I think it's uh, perfect to get him the heat that he needs, but eventually that heat will dissipate, and that's going to be a true test of his capabilities as a professional wrestler.
1: Good for NXT, too. Good for NXT to get uh, to get that heat now. So there's there's somebody that they're gonna want it that the fans are gonna want to w- tune into or, or watch just to hate them. So might help the product a little bit, get some more eyes on it.
0: Yeah, you know, I think there's a couple guys that could be main roster guys, but I don't necessarily know that they're ready. Like we've talked about Braun Becker, Braun Breaker before. We look at a guy like Von Wagner who's really green. Um, just. You know comes from a professional wrestling lineage and can use it but it's still like probably about a year or two away from moving um up and and i think they tried to rush them through and i i don't think it was the right move but there are people on that roster that could move up and uh it's it won't be in a main event capacity but there are some people that are starting to kind of turn some heads and uh that might be a topic for another day but we'll get to that eventually uh later on um Number two, um, Josh, Factor Fiction. We did Factor Fiction with Chris last week. Um, where does, we're going to talk about Gun, uh, Gunther. I keep saying Gunther, but it's Gunther. Um, and and the great run that he's been having, you know, when Gunther came over, he started as Walter out on the Indies. Um, he was a big, uh, <laughs> a big draw over there, especially in Europe, and then came to the States and really had a bunch of, like, Dave Meltzer five-star matches. Like, there's actually Walter matches in the Indies that have five-star Meltzer ratings. Um, But when you actually look at it um, and kind of what he's taken on with the Intercontinental Championship and how long he's had it and how dominant he's been, where do you actually rank um, basically his IC title reign over the course of maybe the last 20, 25 years? What are your thoughts on um, his dominance uh, being in a WWE ring with that title?
2: Yeah, so I think... (laughs) He came into the you know, he came into the main roster at a time where WWE was investing in longevity in their champions, and you can see it because almost all of their champions are longest reigning everyth- anything at this point. Um, I think that he definitely deserves it because he uh, brings uh, a, t- a type of style to that mat- to that uh, title that I- is deserving. He represents it well. He is a very strong heel. He's not terrible on the microphone. Um, he leads a faction that you know is, is active in, in a lot of um, different feuds um, so I really think that his reign is you know probably in the top five for intercontinental uh, champions I, it's hard for me because you know a lot of my, the inter, previous intercontinental champions that I would remember would have been like from the early days pre-attitude pre, pre era even like you know when Mr. Perfect would be doing it so Uh, or when he would have it and I think that the Intercontinental Championship is just like you know another stepping stone for a wrestler like Gunther and you know he's going to be main event Gunther or Gunther eventually. Gunther, 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 Gunther. Gunther. See I got everybody on the Gunther train. The (laughs) Ring General. I I really 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 (laughs) like his style of wrestling and I think that it's refreshing. Um, I almost wish he was in AEW just so I could see him go in a match with no restrictions.
0: Chris, just as a funny side note, how much do you think that like um, how, how awesome would it be just to be Gun- Gunter's ring announcer and have to wrestle like maybe once every three weeks just to say ring general and get paid like probably $250,000 a year? Do you think that would be an awesome job for us?
2: Yeah, I'd do it. I think I think we'd all do 000. it. You're delirious.
0: Well, probably with like <laughs> probably with Imperium, like if there's sales with t- merchandise and all the stuff, like he's probably making six figures, Josh. Let's be for real here.
2: Oh, you're um, talking about the other the other member of Imperium. Sorry, I thought you were talking about an announcer. For no, no, no,
0: no, no. Yes. Um, and can
1: he ever catch that jacket,
0: Ludwig Kaiser? But he can catch a jacket. He does a great job with catching the jacket. There's a YouTube video with it, too. Um, Chris, so, you, you know what? Josh was kind of hinting at it. He's talked about kind of his title reign. And, uh, and even going back to the pre-attitude area, you know, Josh mentioned Mr. Perfect. You know, we've seen Razor Ramon with the title. We've seen Shawn Michaels carry it. We've seen a lot of, like, The Rock, Triple H. Like, there's a lot of really big names that carry it. And I think, like... I I, kind of with Josh, I have him in the top five or 10 for a title reign right now. And it just keeps, he keeps going up each week when I see these performances that he has people. So Josh mentioned that he thinks he's main event. Do you think he's main event? And you know, this title reign is going to eventually end at some point. So who do you think is going to beat him for that title? If it's not Matt Riddle?
1: Oh, well today I was reading that uh, there, there are internal talks about making him the longest reigning IC champ ever. Um, just to go into it, uh, I I think he's the epitome of an IC champ. He's he's a working champ. He's wrestling a lot. I loved what they did with him in the Royal Rumble. They made him look so strong. And uh, yeah, he he's up there. He's up there in title reigns for sure. I mean, you have your Bret Hart's. I mean, I'd put him. I definitely put him in a top five for the title reigns. Um, who's gonna beat him? Uh, if if it's anytime soon, I'd have to go with my boy La Knight. Yeah. Um, I think he's just since since his debut on. The, I'm com- coming back to uh, the L.A. Knight character. You can watch the videos of the the reaction he got to even just to London to the massive reaction he got. I think he's I think he's red hot. He he gave the rub. He was he was the last guy until Damian Priest grabbed the the briefcase. So I mean I think I think if the time comes and if LA Knight's still hot and he's still there, um, I'd like to see him, I'd like to see him take it. I mean, the guy can, he's, he's probably the best on the mic right now. Um, other than MJF, if you ask me,
0: I think one of the interesting things when you kind of think of LA night and you know what, we've talked a lot about his work and, and how we, we honestly probably believe that he's one of the biggest, um, finds for WWE right now, especially with what he's been doing, but it's been how his popularity has increased, more and more with more of kind of his personal story coming out, like being 40 years old and, you know, never giving up on his dream and, you know, taking, taking kind of these, these characters, but still trying to run with them. Like, you know, being in the system, getting released, going out on the indies, going to impact and really kind of making a big difference. And, and just kind of, you know, his, his outright love for professional wrestling really shows through in a lot of his work. Um, I personally kind of side with you. I think, like, if there's anybody that's going to take the title off him, I think it probably should be him. And you know what? You're kind of going to give him a rub for doing it, too. And you know what? Like, my expectation, I wouldn't expect a year-long title reign from LA Knight. But I think at the same point, what you might be running in is pushing both those guys together into that main event status. One of the things we don't really see in WWE anymore are these rivalries, right? And I think that could be one of the best storylines or best rivalries that we'd see um, in a long time. Time. I mean you know you kind of would go through and I think there's you know some pretty good ones that could be out there like I mean um, even with um, you know kind of with the women's match like Bianca and Charlotte that could be a really good rivalry moving forward and um, I just think when you have them it just creates so much more on the line like I mean when there's when there's personal stuff that goes on kind of like when you talk about Rock and Cena and then the story there obviously Rock was basically writing some some notes on his arm and then Cena calls it out and then basically Rock was absolutely mortified and wanted to fucking really punch him in the face and those things just really kind of snowball into effect and create this kind of this real life atmosphere right so be nice to see what they can do with them you have somebody that's basically a ring technician just against you know it's basically the uh basically the gentlemanly kind of in a way um but aggressive European against a loudmouth American. And I think it's just something that really kind of stands out in today's society, which would be really kind of cool to see. So it'd be really interesting, but I'm with Chris. I, I do think LA Knight is, uh, is due for a title and due for a good run and what that title is. And when that run happens is really up to WWE. Right.
1: Um, and fun fact, fun fact, LA Knight, uh, even when he wasn't working for W WWE, apparently he does, he does almost all of the move sets for the games.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and you know what? He's actually one of the other funny stories with him. If you ever watch the uh, the Triple H workout video that he actually did for WWE that he did at the Performance Center, actually LA Knight was actually on the right-hand side and in that workout v- video, and Chris, he throws out a, yeah,
2: it's in the video. <laughs> no
0: bullshit. It's actually in the video. So pretty interesting when he goes through. So dummy, yeah, we're Jake. we're high on LA Knight.
2: Hey Chris, I hate to burst your bubble, but Gunther is going to be the longest reigning intercontinental champion before LA Knight beats him. Because I think that's just the way that they're billing it. It's there. This is WWE continues to do this bullshit where they have the longest reigning for everybody. And it's just, uh, I think that's what they, where they're heading with Gunther.
1: Yeah. That's why, that's why I mentioned if, if LA Knight's still red hot and if he's still around after, after that comes through, but, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that could that could put a wrench in, in putting a belt on him if all of a sudden he has nothing for him and, and he kind of wanes in, in fan reaction.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's also tough when you go through it, but it'll be interesting to see how it happens. I think you kind of have to have a slow build for this match, and maybe it's not SummerSlam. Maybe it's, I, I don't know how long he has to go to be the longest IC title reign, but I think at the end of the day, I think he's going to drop it not at the small pay-per-view. He's going to drop it at a big one. It's going to be one of the big four, right? So that's just the reality yeah. of it now
2: he, i looked it up he's at uh he's at 315 days currently and i believe honky tonk man is at 453 days so he's yeah and i think they're
0: trying i think they're trying to get rid of reign. that too i think they're trying to get he's rid. Got to
1: have it sorry go ahead more more than that because he was uh he was the champion of june last year so he's over it's got to be over 365 at this point
2: yeah maybe you're right i i just searched it quickly but he was fifth the last time uh all right, we'll it's get long there. just it was honky tonk, man. It's four hundred and fifty. Oh
1: right, 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 right. Uh, the honky that, tonk.
2: Uh, oh, on June second, it was three hundred and fifty-six days. So okay, so we're like at uh, three hundred and seventy-seven oh. days right now. Whoa, this isn't a math podcast, Josh. Who? In, in my head, <laughs> <laughs> you do twenty-one yes. plus fifty-six.
0: It's mental math, Christopher. Um, so bringing us to our last WWE talk, topic. And, you know, we've talked about some divisions, um, in the WWE for the women's division. And then we talked about, you know, the lack of female presence and, um, you know, and just kind of using the same people, but obviously the, there's a bit of staleness in the women's division. People are kind of getting injured. We almost saw Bailey have a really bad injury where they threw up the X. Um, looks like she's going to try to work through it or maybe kind of take be taking off house shows for a bit. Um, but you know, injuries aren't gonna help the cause of that that, that stale nature that's kinda of going on with the women. We're seeing the same matches, it's stuff that we've talked about already on the podcast. Now, I I kinda of have a hypothetical question for this one. Now, if you could take any single women's wrestler on planet Earth right now, or maybe even I'd even give you two. We we can talk one or two if you want. Do you do you kinda of go in house and go to NXT? Do you go to AEW? Who do you take and why? Chris, who would you take to really kind of um, get rid of that staleness and really bring some excitement to the women's division? One or two female wrestlers, who would you bring in from any promotion?
1: Uh, I'd have to go to AEW, um, Hater. I, I, I think Hater would would help out a lot. Um, I'm just going to throw it in there, but if they really wanted to get people talking, they could bring Tessa Blanchard in, but I don't see that happening. Um, <laughs> For many reasons. But I would bring... yeah. And uh, I'd probably I'd probably bring back Ruby Soho, uh, I'd probably bring her back, and I bring Hater in. Those are the two I'd bring in to kind of uh, to kind of get away from that get away from that staleness. Because y- yeah, you're right. We're seeing the same the same thing over and over. We're seeing random tag teams being made. Um, yeah, I think Jamie Hader's style style would definitely give a kick up. I'd love to see her against Oscar or Charlotte Flair. Um, yeah, and Ruby Soho is just solid. She's solid all around. Probably a, a huge help with people in the back just because, especially in WWE, um, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but they, they do tend to go more for looks than in-ring ability. So, uh, like, they do get lucky with people like Charlotte Flair who's got both, but not, I mean, not everybody has both. And, I mean, Ruby Soho can, if she's in a match, she can she could carry somebody who's a little greener, so... Those are the two that I would pick to come in.
0: Yeah, I think it's. I think it's interesting that you picked Ruby Soho because I mean, for the longest time, she was already there, right? And I think she was a bit of a fresher breath there because you know what, she kind of did that in the Riot Squad and um, and you know, it just kind of. What happened after that was kind of sad. You know, Ruby Soho left. I think, uh, who was the other girl that was in there? Was it uh, the the girl that's with the uh, the Viking Raiders? Was it Sarah or whatever her yeah. name is? Yeah, her and then, you know, obviously Liv. And I thought it was uh, kind of really interesting to see how it would go and, and to kind of go through it. And, um, you know, like that 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 stable was actually kind of a fun stable to watch when we went through it. But, um, you know, obviously she didn't work out for Ruby Soho and WWE, and that's why she jumped ship. So I'm just kind of uh, kind of shocked that you brought her into it. But um, I would agree, her work's pretty good, and she can do a lot of good things. Josh, who would you bring in? Who's two people that you would bring in to really kind of, really kind of, uh, kind of uh, bring some excitement to the group and bring it up?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm not... You know, I don't really know. There's not a lot of... Uh Women wrestlers that I'm excited about uh, currently to like that would go over to WWE. I could see you know Chris Statlander would would do really well there. I, I think that they definitely need to have some more um, you know not larger women but uh, women who are are more physically capable. I agree with Chris as well that it you know you seem to be booking um, looks over ability a lot of the times. So not saying that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that you know if you're if you want to watch a, a good solid match. Um, you know, want to see people who are, are more well-trained and uh, more seasoned. Um, I just don't think that WWE is suited for those type of wrestlers. You know, they, they seem to be pushing uh, women not based on their in-ring ability a lot of the times. Um, and it's unfortunate. But, you know, the other person who I'd bring would be Nyla Rose. I think that she would light that, light that up. And I think that, you know, that would also bring um, that kind of to the spotlight. I really do... You know, think that uh, she could compete uh, well with that that group of women, and it would bring a different dynamic. You know, you could you could you know book her as a monster, and then you know you could put over some of your big baby faces over her with good wins, and then also have those strong style matches with some of those heavy hitting women like uh, in, you know um, like an Oscar, like a Charlotte, um, like the two champions uh, you know currently. So. Rhea Ripley, sorry, I don't know why I couldn't get her name in my head. I love Rhea Ripley.
1: It's hard that they just settle settle with the women always having smoke break matches. Yeah, you know it's it's it is it's
0: really hard, and and you know what, like it's nothing it's nothing against the the women in the ring it's 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 not really that it's just it's 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 it does two things one it's the same storyline over and over and two it's just hard to be believable when you're not hitting somebody and it's not to say that it's the the physicality but there has to be some sort of like like really athletic ability and you look at it like the people that are in the top like Bianca Belair was if she didn't do WWE she probably would have been in the CrossFit games like this weekend or whatever the I think the CrossFit games are going on right now I think they're in event nine and like like she had like a 250 pound snatch under the age of 20 like for for those that know 250 pounds not like that's fucking crazy um but, you know, you look at a lot of things and I mean, WWE has some really great talent in NXT. So I'm going to kind of break this up into two kind of different roles here, which is who I'd bring in from outside and then who should come up from NXT right now with their performances. So um, my first one if uh, is going with the NJPW Strong Champion, which is Julia, who just beat like Willow Nightingale. Julia has basically won everything in stardom and has probably the most unique look to a female wrestler since probably like maybe Sasha Banks. Um, Extremely unique, like Italian-Japanese, I believe Italian-Japanese heritage, like got tons of braids, like colorful personality, like great wrestler, had a great match with Willow for the uh, for the strong championship. Um, And I just think that she could really kind of uh, do some different things like trained in London. She's world trained. She can probably wrestle any type of style that you want. So you want hard hitting? Done. You want flying? It's done. Like she's learned every single style possible. So she's like when you look at kind of the PWI and you look at the numbers, like she's always in the top 50. But I don't think you need somebody at number one, two, three, or five to bring in that's going to be like an immediate game changer. I just think you need something that's going to take the eyes off the top stars, but is going to be better than those bottom stars that we're struggling to watch, right? I think if you can get somebody in the middle, you can really do a build that's going to be somebody that could take over a promotion. So she would be my first one uh, going into it. And you know what? There's a lot of people kind of looking at kind of like some of the stuff at Impact. Like, I mean, you're looking at, uh, with AEW, you could talk about Jade Cargo because she has just an amazing physique. Extremely green in the ring. That's the only knock on, G- on on jade and uh you know what i think in a lot of cases why one of the reasons she's been off television so much is to try to work on that greenness right i think that's definitely a scenario that's actually happening um my personal favorite that i would like to bring over would be from AEW, and i'd love to see thunder rosa come over at wwe i think it would be absolutely amazing to see what the with the latino community um i'd kick zelina vega out of basically the LWO and I'd put Thunder Rosa in there because she is like the epitome of Latino world order and she can fight and she's like just a great wrestler in general. If she can get along with the people in the back, um, she has all the abilities to stick with a company forever because one, I mean, she was doing announcing for, uh, for forbidden door 2 for the, uh, for the Spanish, uh, Spanish commentary. She can do that. She can announce, She's just, she's, she's good looking. She has a good looking face. She does like a kind of the the Day of the Dead makeup or, you know, that like that makeup. And I think it really kind of mixes in with that theme of the LWO. And I think she just just her fighting skills would be unbelievable. I think she'd be able to have good matches with any of the people in the top card and elevate some of the bottom ones. Um Now, I I don't know how much you guys watch NXT. I know that people have been in and out. We talked about this last week. The two people I would really want to bring up from NXT now would be Tiff Stratton, who's the NXT champion. Fantastic on the mic. Paris Hilton theme would do a really good job in livening up. And maybe you could even put her with Chelsea Green and with Sonya Deville to kind of create like a really cool stable. And then the last one is uh, Taya Hale from uh, basically um, Chase University. Um, probably one of the best actresses on the thing. Um, Itzia saw her for the first time. Itzia, my partner, Itzia does not watch wrestling, and she said, "Who's the muskrat from Ice Age that's on the TV right now?" And it was basically Tia Hill like doing some stupid kimura or whatever. So I think that would actually be a really good pickup because she would definitely kind of bring that excitement, that energy that uh, that the, the women's division sorely needs. So for WWE, anything we want to add here, boys?
1: uh you know you know who else i wouldn't mind seeing there i wouldn't mind seeing them bring back serena deeb i would agree serena deeb's got great moves
0: and and even like another one i know chris you're not high on athena i think athena steps in pretty well and and can kind of fill the void i don't know if she would be kind of that world beater but she would be able to kind of fight those top stars and still have a good match with them right and she has a great finishing move which is great for the fans
2: you know who so. I say beats Gunther? Off board, it's Omos.
1: Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, you're damn right. Yeah,
0: you bring in the Nigeria Wunderkind and uh, we'll, uh, we'll destroy. I don't know why a Nigeria it would have a German Wunderkind name, but I have tried to put things together really fast in my head and it doesn't work. But I now. Omos. <laughs> yeah, we all miss Omos, right, Josh? I, I totally hear you. Um, but now we're going to move on to some AEW topics. And we're going to start with uh, a Meltzer-rated five-and-a-quarter-star match that was on live TV for free on cable television. We're going to talk about the Collision Tag Team match between F the Revival, or Fuck the Revival, FTW versus Bullet Club, two out of three falls for the the, the tag titles. Um, Bullet Club consisting of not the guns, but consisting of basically Switchblade Jay White and Juice Robinson. Um, so, Josh, I know that you watched the match. We talked about it a little bit. It, honestly, is it the best ever tag match on cable TV that we've ever seen?
2: Yeah, I, I would have to say so. Um, I mean, it was an hour, so uh, we got a lot of uh, in-ring action that you wouldn't normally see. You know, props go out to the guys. Apparently, they had a short uh, short time to prepare for this match, and you know, although they might not have called the match in the ring, they did do a lot of things on the fly. Um, there was one spot that I wasn't really keen on with the, the medical when they came in. but yeah. I think that it was a really, really good example of uh, or it wasn't a good example. it was the standard for what a tag match should be um, and what tag teams should be and I, I think they played off each other very well. Um, you know the double sharpshooter it was kind of semi-predictable, but it was very good and I was glad it wasn't the finisher. It was I was happy to see that it was just a single sharpshooter that ended thought it was a fantastic match and, you know, could have maybe been a five and a half, I think. It was definitely the best tag match they've shown for free. Um, but AEW continues to put on quality programming during the week. Um, this is exactly what I was talking about last week. For them to make Collision successful, they need to have matches that are hitting those four-plus stars on a regular basis because that's that, holy shit, did you see Collision? We just You just missed the best tag team match on free television. How could you do that? You know, like so, the yeah, the um, it being on a Saturday. I think that this is a great another reason for you to watch Collision, and I think that you know stay tuned because Collision is going to keep on putting out bangers because AEW loves to put out those matches.
0: Chris, I'm going to hold off on you for a second to ask Josh one more question because I'm going to go off the script with you, and I know that thrills you, but that's what's going to happen. Josh, my next question would be: um, Do you think that the guns? Um, would have had the same type of match if it wasn't Jay White and Juice Robinson? Or do you think that being Bullet Club and having Jay and Juice and being the more experienced team members really led to the high star rating for this match? Do you think the Guns could have done a five and a quarter doing it with FCR? For an hour?
2: I I think that the Guns could have had potentially the same quality match. I, I think that they actually have a little bit more comedy in their matches so that maybe that would have taken away from that type of quality match. I think that Jay White and Juice Robinson uh, were exactly what that match needed. Um, you know, they had that energy. I just think that the guns are a little bit too green to have that type of type of match. And I think that there would just be too many slight botches. Not botches that you would say, like, that's a botch, but you can see in those matches that they have often that there's, like, some hesitancy or there's something where there's not a, the same type of flow. And this match had that type of flow where you know, it was, you were, the transitions between the moves were fantastic and the, the slow spots were exactly what they needed to be. And then the hard hitting uh, aspect was there as well.
0: Awesome. Chris, now are you excited for your question? Mm -hmm. All right. Was this match on cable TV better than FTR versus do it yourself? With Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano best two out of three falls. What's a better match? They're both bangers. Do you rate one over the other? Do you rate them the same? Or do you rate that match that we saw in collision worse than the FTR and DIY? I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but it was it was a question that popped in my head that it has to be answered.
1: Uh I liked I I liked the the Bullet Club Gold match. I would I would put it over over that. I mean, I just even though I loved NXT back then, I just, uh, the product with AEW is So, so much, it seems like the wrestlers are so much freer to do, to do the moves they want. Like the producers aren't literally listening to Tony Khan to, to make the match and the papers aren't getting ripped up the day of and, and McMahon's changing it. So I think given that freeness, if they're in WWE and they had short notice and they had to be put together, it would, it probably would have been terrible. Like it, probably would have been awful but these guys get together they're all professionals they're all really good wrestlers like even juice robinson where he's come from from being cj parker in in yeah. NXT with the dreads like he's he's come a long way he made a career for himself in japan now he's back in america and and i don't it was it was a great match i it was it was a really good two out of three falls match it's definitely the best the best cable tv uh tag match we've ever, ever seen
0: great um, I think yeah, it's it's interesting to see when you kind of go back over some of those old matches and you try to compare them. And I think that's what people want to do. They try to want to kind of rank these matches. I have to agree. I think it's I'm trying to think of all the times, even in the Attitude area, where there's uh, the tag matches, and even with main event stars, where it was like Undertaker and Kane versus like Big Show and Chris Jericho, or Stone Cold and The Rock. Like, they used to have a lot of those in Attitude area that would be like on a SmackDown on a Friday night, let's say. Uh, but those matches, I think you're right. They're overproduced, right? And they're also for a smaller amount of time. Like, I think if you let FTR and and uh, you know Champa and Gargano go for an hour, I think it's a different story. Like, and and if it was like on the Indies, that might be the match of the year, right? So, um, and it could happen either way. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I agree with you, Josh, on the guns. I'm not sure comedically. I think they have more of a comedic feel. I don't think they they could have put up the five and a quarter just based on experience. Um, I think they would have had a good match with FTR, but I don't know. I don't have the guns actually gone an hour in a match. Like that's a tough thing to do too. Like I mean, if you've never done it before, right? So that's the only thing that I think holds them back. It's definitely not their skill. I think that they're in the next five or ten years, they're going to be a very, very good tag team. They seem very dedicated to what they're doing. But um, I loved, uh, I loved Jay and Juice getting the spot, especially for you know not tagging as much. Like they're not really a, a full tag team, and they did a great job filling in those spots with one of the best in the world. Now, bring us to the big reason on Wednesday night that we all tuned in. Christmas comes early. Two rings, two cages, Ted guys, tornado tag, killing each other, blood and guts. Question is for you, Chris. You know, watching blood and guts from last year um, and some different things, and we saw some really big spots going through. Did this match meet or exceed your expectations, or did it not live up to the uh, the, the, uh, the, the fame of it of being a blood and guts match?
1: Uh, Blood and guts always always delivers. Um, it always delivers, and I, that's one thing I love AEW for. If they put if they put together that um, that uh, stadium brawl or anytime they put together like a gimmicky match, other than obviously Moxley and Omega's little little explosion there or lack thereof. <laughs> but usually when they put on a gimmicky match, they like they they make it the focus of the show. Like you, you, you have to, you can't just skimp on a gimmick match. You have to, you have to do it. And I, just the talent they had in the ring. Um, you, you can't go wrong. And again, like I'm saying, they have more freedom to do, to do kind of what they want in the ring. And uh, I heard off after they went off the air, Omega told him he respected everybody. And uh, also said, I'll shorten my career if you guys want me to keep going. So, I mean, to him, it was a success, and to me, it was a success. We were we were still talking about it the next day. We were saying we were still buzzing about it. So, yep. especially to get that that caliber of a match on live TV, like just to tune in, I'm fantastic. Thank you, Tony.
0: Yeah, it's like it's a, there, it's basically a pay-per-view level match when you're looking at it, BCC, Golden Elite. You got Pac added in as the fifth man. You got Kota Abushi coming in. You know, Kota, I don't think, looked as uh, great as he had in the past, but let's face it, the guy hasn't wrestled in probably over a year and had a lot of injuries, and like we discussed last week, he's in his 40s, right? So, like, I, I caught him a little bit of a break, but he still did a lot of great stuff in that match. That uh, was typical Kota Abushi style. Now, Josh, I know that we talked last week about, as well, about, you know, that, that behind closed door meetings about having production about violence and all this stuff. The first thing that happens in the match is we see a fork and then we see broken glass going in the ring. What were your thoughts? Do you think that they even followed that stuff? Because obviously this would have had to been clear with the producer, correct?
2: Oh my goodness. I, you know what? I almost think that again, AEW is like feeding news because like as, as soon as the, the bad list comes out, they, you know, start talking about how it's not really a set of rules and, no, sure, some people have heard about it. And then they put together a, a match like Blood and Guts, and clearly on the band list is, you know, buckle bomb. They did a buckle bomb. You know, the, the intentional bleeding. Okay, no intentional bleeding. Of course, they're going to get it approved for Blood and Guts, but I almost think that it was a nod to this, like, hey, you think you know us, and, you know, we're going to continue to surprise you. And, you know, it, it almost is like they're... It's, it's kind of annoying that... This stuff like this happens because it's just it's it seems like the news is becoming part of the story and they're they're giving a nod to the news and it's like yeah okay we know that you know kayfabe isn't a thing anymore but like is this really is this something that you planted or is this uh, you know actually just a coincidence but I think that like it's a little bit more than that and I really enjoyed the match I think it was great I agree with you when we were talking when they brought the fork out why is nobody bleeding yet like you know they should have all been in the corner blading after they got stabbed in the head. Uh, I, I also agree yeah. that Koto, Koto Ibushi looked a, a little bit sloppy, but I think he did well, and you know a good thing that he was last. Um, I, I liked how they they left the ending, you know, and it, it may it protected the BCC because you know the two members quit, and um, I, I do do kind of wish they'd stop using Wheeler Yuta as the 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 uh, you know the the whipping boy for BCC in the sense that he's always taking the losses, but uh, I guess that's the, that's his role currently. So
0: I think that's part of the storytelling. They don't, I don't think they really had a choice, right? You're not going to have... I think that the, the Moxley kind of calling it off with the handcuffs is try to save Wheeler was to try and save that because when you look at the other three people that were in the match, you couldn't do it to them. You can't give Pin the loss on Takeshita because he's with Don Callis, which I thought... Don Callis pulling him out was probably one of the best pieces of storytelling. We're like, well, he's not going to get in there and get killed. This guy's the only guy I have in my family. He's my meal ticket. I'm yanking him. Like, that was pretty much it. Like, great piece of storytelling there. And then, obviously, you're setting up Pac and uh, Costagnoli for, uh, we're actually, uh, we're, we're filming the podcast on a Friday, and tonight's Death by Dishonor, and that's the main event for tonight's Death by Dishonor, which is part of the storyline. So it had to be either Moxley or know with with the storyline, but I agree. I don't think he should be the whipping boy anymore. He's got a, you know, he had the pure championship. He's having a little bit of a rough go right now, but, you know what, he'll be back to it, and Um, you know, I I honestly think that eventually you're going to have a really good feud with death triangle, um, going after the BCC. And I think that's, going to create some matches that, you know, um, again, pay-per-view caliber matches on a Wednesday night, pay-per-view caliber matches on a, on a Friday night rampage that, that we might actually see it. Right. So it's pretty insane. Um, But yeah, Blood and Guts, I agree. Like, I mean, uh, the only thing that was missing than the fork was just Nick Gage's pizza cutter, like, and having the Domino's commercial (laughs) that was right up there. Like, that would have just, like, topped it off for me. And I was telling you guys on the podcast all the way through, like, when we were talking about it two days before, I'm like, fuck, I love Blood and Guts. Christmas has come early, and we're going to get some presents on Wednesday night. So I was slated to work on Wednesday night. I said, fuck it, I'm going out Thursday because I'm not missing anything of the show. Like, I'm not missing it all. And uh, that's what I did, so... So, um, uh, but great programming again, like we just said, I'll set it for the third time pay-per-view style matches on a Wednesday night on free cable. Beautiful. And, uh, you know, something has to be said about the caliber of wrestling and the caliber of the wrestlers themselves and the guts that they have, because those matches do take a toll on you and to, to, to not put it on a PPV and just to give it to the fans because they're giving everything that they can. And I think that's one of the reasons why AEW fans are so endearing towards those wrestlers and love them so much because they give everything and those fans respect it where I think for some of the WWE fans because of the production that we talked about they don't necessarily care as much about the, the body of work and I could be wrong on that but uh, I don't think like you're going to see anybody go through a cage like Mick Foley Mick Foley's like, so loved for what he's given up in his body and there's not anybody that's really doing that in WWE anymore right? you might have the odd jump off the cage but you don't have what we see in AEW with what they give up So, and that's really what yeah. kind of gets you over too, right?
2: Now, I, agree. I think that this is the first one that no major injuries happened.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, it's great. I mean, it's well deserved, too. Like, I mean, they've had some bad luck, and it, it's good to see that everybody came out unscathed. Now, we're going to switch over to Collision a little bit. We just talked about Dynamite, but Collision's kind of interesting because um, apparently, through the rumor mill, we like talking about CM Punk. We like talking about rumors. We like reading what we see on some of the dirt sheets. Uh, but apparently, CM Punk led a roster meeting where he said. That basically, Collision needs to be different than Dynamite and doesn't have to do the same thing that Dynamite does to be successful. And that they should do something completely different. Now, my big question when it comes to Josh is basically the same question I just kind of stated, which is, does Collision need to be different from Dynamite? But... Does it have to be different when Dynamite is clearly the best wrestling show on a weekly basis for professional wrestling today? How, like, what would they do? Like, do they have to be different? And what would they do to try to try to match the success that Dynamite's having?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't really understand how you can be different. I wouldn't want to be different than Dynamite for the quality of wrestling. Now, so if, if they're talking about how the storylines are going, I could see that maybe... Um, but I really just don't think that they should... They have to be different as in they set themselves apart. But I think, if anything, they should strive to be better than Dynamite, which would be really difficult because Dynamite is an amazing show. Um, but I think that, you know, if Collision... Maybe maybe the tag division is more focused on Collision, and that's where you have your, your big tag matches, and you have, like, a strong tag team like FTR headlining on a regular basis and then putting on these quality matches. Or maybe, you know, you have... Uh, a, it more formatted where you have like a, a specialty matches or you know like kind of like the best two out of three or you know you have like the dog collar matches and, and again like you said AEW is just putting on pay-per-view level matches like I don't even think you need to have a pay-per-view anymore like as much as uh, WWE is because WWE's pay-per-views don't even put on the same quality of matches as a quarter of any of AEW matches it, it's it's just If you want to watch wrestling, AEW is where it is. You you might as well skip it WWE until you go to the pay per views because nothing happens in the regular.
0: Um, We kind of can't do that because we have to do the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: I'm just teasing, but I but I know what you're saying.
0: Like, wrestling... you're right, and 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 pure wrestling like is great, right? Like, so when you're looking at pure wrestling, a lot of people like a lot of people in WWE aren't going to watch ROH either, right? And ROH like we've we've fucking love ROH as well just because it does have different wrestlers that you know you've never seen. It has different people. It exposes you and opens you up to more like different rules too like obviously you have the code of honor um you have like they're basically their version of a no dq match is called what is it uh fight without dishonor like ring of honor was created with a code of conduct and people forget that um if if you haven't watched on a regular basis right and they have a pure title which has like its own set of rules and it's, it's just kind of crazy but but I completely agree with you, Josh. When you're looking at that, it's like just the the, the, the volume and the quality of wrestling on a right now is just so far better than the WWE just because you're, you said it earlier. It's the freedom to be able to make mistakes. And as, as an art form, and I'm sure Chris would agree, you're going to make mistakes. And it's okay to make those mistakes. Like people say, oh, well, people in WD say, oh, well, they, they botched it. Well, who gives a fuck if they botched it? Like shit happens. Like you're like, have you ever wrestled in front of like fifteen thousand people? Like shit happens. If I go on stage yeah, and on, sing Rick karaoke. Yeah, if I go on stage and sing karaoke tonight, like I'm gonna be off key. Like that's just part of it. Like I already know that. Like shit happens. That's we've part of part of the job. We've
1: only We've only wrestled in front of about a total of eight people.
0: Which is fine. But I mean they were they were they were a very critiqued eight people. So oh, yeah now my question for you chris when we bring it back to this this collision and dynamite debate um before we uh we get uh we get ready for josh to slice some salami as we like to say um do you think that collision is going to be behind dynamite for ple content or ppv content um, because when you look at the roster in Dynamite, it seems like there's a, like you have the Bucks, you have Omega, like you have all these established stars in AEW, and when you kind of look at Collision, you kind of you like it's it's not a knock, it's but you have FTR, you have CM Punk, you have Miro, and you have some other people that are on there. Do you think that they're going to have an impact on the storylines for those PLES with the stuff that they do on just being single handedly on Collision? And if that was the case, what would you do to kind of add them into the mix? Because it can't just be CM Punk and FPR, FTR all the time, right?
1: I mean, I guess you could do like a a show versus show like a similar to like Battle of the Belts and and you could or not Forbidden Door, but I guess their version of an in-house Forbidden Door. I mean, like, is there if it's a work, I get it. And if they're building up something, but to make that show completely different and not build storylines, but build storylines for a different cast of characters that's smaller and that's obviously all centered around CM Punk. I just i think it'll take away because i mean again we they don't have enough tv programming for the talent they have so it is good that they have their own show but how do you integrate both of them with shows how do you integrate titles um yeah it's uh i don't know i i'm i'm interested to see how it works out uh right now should it be its own show especially what you're saying with ple is you just have punk show up on a ple and
2: yeah like we really haven't seen like I mean
0: I I'm a big fan of Miro I've always been a big fan of Miro when he was Rusev in WWE like I feel like we haven't even seen him I just keep hearing this Redeemer thing where he's talking to God and I want to see him fucking kill some people that's what I want to see like that's what I'm that's why I'm watching on a Saturday night if not I'll just go watch boxing or I'll go watch those celebrities that box on DAZN nowadays just to see them kill each (laughs) other like that's what I want to see I want to see people get hurt is what I want to see and Miro does that
2: yeah his fights I, uh,
0: That's too much for me, man. But I get you. <laughs> and I
1: I love I love Miro's Redeemer character. Um I I think he should be up there. He should be up challenging for a title. He sh- he should be holding him like he's he's big and he he looks good and all of his moves, even when he just kicks the back to get the arms up, like it looks devastating. They just they need to give this guy they need to give this guy some like a, a huge piece of rope and just let him run with it.
0: Yeah, I agree, and you just gotta kind of let him go. And I think, like, you know what? I think it's I think Collision's a great spot for the TNT title. I think, you know what? For some of these wrestlers that have kind of fallen beside the wayside, I think Scorpio Sky would be a great fit on Collision to really try to bring him up. I'm not sold on him being main main event level talent. He's got great in ring ability. I just I'm not sold on it. Um, I just find him kind of boring a little bit. That's just me. But you know what? I I really hope he proves me wrong because if he can deliver a five star match, then good for him. Um, you know, but guys like Ethan Page, but guys like that, but you have to have the meat around it, right? So, I mean, it's really like, what are you going to have? Like, you just can't have the same storyline of CM Punk FTR versus Bullet Club. Like, we can't do that for six months. We really can't, because those other storylines on the lower level of the card are going to be really affected. So, um, I'm under the impression that I think that they're not going to have a lot of, P- like, PLE time. I think certain matches will get on, but I think what with, with this is that we we also know it's only been around for five weeks now, five or six weeks It's a work in progress, and it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. But, guys, with that being said, Josh, that's my meat slicer going off. What the hell is going to slice your salami this week?
2: All right, this is one that's ingrained in WWE culture. It's been around since the Attitude Era. We can thank Stone Cold for the creation of this. What? The what. <laughs> it, what? Yes, exactly. Um, I'm glad it doesn't happen in AEW. I'm glad it doesn't carry over. Uh, nothing ruins a good promo like the what. Um, and I think it just uh, goes to show you that the WWE fans are some of the lowest level, least intelligent, <laughs> uh, uh, as aid, as uh, MJF might say, they are the pores. Um it, it, it is it is one of the things that takes the steam most out of a promo. And I just think that it, it, enough is enough. You need to go grow up. It's not 1998 anymore. It's time. To,
0: Spoken from a I mean, true adult. That,
2: that is what slices my salami. It gets me so steamed that I, I barely cut my promo well there.
0: The one thing I will say is that Stephen Austin really did it well. Like even if Chris, if you just say what after every, everything I say, it's just like, I'm going to kick some ass. I'm then. I'm gonna drink some beer, what? cold beer, what? with my right hand.
2: <laughs> what? L- I'm like gonna chug it. To what? I said I'm gonna Ooh. chug it. What?
0: Chug it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's oh, definitely fuck. had the biggest impact in wrestling, in TV, and wrestling on TV. so called Steve Austin's uh, is his impact has been long lasting and it'll probably last forever Oh, for for absolutely
0: sure like i can just picture him i can just picture him saying josh like at one point he's like they're gonna want me i'm gonna fucking fuck up these marks just by fucking them up by doing that the whole time (laughs) these marks but anyways with that being said guys we got through number nine and we're gonna be on a decade of shows whenever that happens we uh we're gonna discuss we may be on a slight hiatus next week but we're gonna try and work through it we'll see what happens but no guarantees but just know as fans we love you everything's great we got through slices anything chris anything for you any receipts you want to give out or are we waiting on that uh
1: yeah we're gonna we're gonna hold hold off on that i think
0: okay that's good but
1: no i i don't I, and i didn't have any as well so that's probably good josh reason. was saying
0: it's uh matt riddle uh, matt riddle and the gunther fight were basically that like those are just people giving receipts back and forth but anyways, uh, so get ready, guys. Like, if you're a fan of the show and you listen to us, like the uh, the person from the United States, we love you. Just want to let you know that. You're always the first person that views our stuff, and we just want to know. Uh, we hope you're liking the show out there because, you know, and for anybody that's on YouTube that follows us, you guys are all included in that. We love our fans. We'd love to hear from you. Um, so with that being said, we have a new segment that's going to be coming out, but uh, stay tuned for that in the uh, the coming weeks. But. For everybody that's going through, like I said at the beginning of the show, you can hit us up at wrestling at Outlook.com. I don't think I put the email at the very beginning, but if you have any questions, you can reach us there. If you need to find us, you can find us on Google. You can find us on Apple. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us basically any place you can find a goddamn podcast. So with that, again, I'm going to say it again to all of our fans. We love you. Josh and Chris love you. You know, you're, you're seen, you're heard. We're big fans. But wherever you are in the world tonight, Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. We all bid you adieu. Bang!